emails and uh, postcards reminding us that it's time to get our pets in for their annual physical examinations. You guys, if you have pets, probably get those cards and messages too. Years ago, we got the card telling us to bring in our newest cat at the time, Duncan. Uh, Duncan was one, and it was just time for his uh, routine exam, and so we, we took him in, and, and uh, you know, they, they do all the things, they weighed him, and of course, they told us he was much too fat. He prefers the term big-boned, um, but, but really, and some people say, oh, he's just fluffy. No, he's, he's too fat. But anyway, uh, uh, they, you know, they take the temperature, they, they, they look in, uh, look in, looked in his ears, they, they checked his eyes. We even had to take in some of what he produces, right? And they, uh, they look through that and make sure everything's all good. They, uh, they, they have all the machines and all the tests and all the expertise to examine cats at the vet. And they look inside and out. If they don't find anything, it's not for a lack of looking, right? Now, on this specific visit, when we took Duncan to the vet that day, he'd been limping a little bit, and, and, and he'd been laying down to, uh, to drink his water in, uh, and eat rather than standing up or, or sitting like, like cats would normally do. It didn't seem like a big deal. We mentioned it just because it was a little bit weird. The vet wasn't sure it was anything, but they thought they'd better x-ray it anyway. And, and when they did, they discovered that Duncan had a broken hip. Uh, they... Some of you, I know, once the vet delivered uh, news about your cat that way, that would be pretty much time to get a new cat, right? Because, uh, but we didn't do that. We, uh, Duncan, Duncan had his hip surgery. Uh, it only took us four years to pay it off. And no, just, I think it was a year though. Anyway, uh, uh, he recovered completely thanks to that annual physical exam that found and treated the problem. Um, so let's, let's see that next picture. This is Duncan after his surgery. Sorry, I should have warned you if you're a little squeamish, maybe. But that's, uh, that's, that's his uh, hip surgery. And here is Duncan today. There he is. I told you, he's not exactly small. But he likes to try to get into the dog bed. And the dog is about half his size. So uh, anyway, he's 11 years old, uh, fatter than ever. Uh, still, though, still lays down to drink his water. So I think that was just a quirk. But it led us to, uh, to ask the right questions. Uh, he certainly is just... Um, just lazy. Um, but anyway, we, we take the we take our animals in. I mean, we call it preventive maintenance, right? Uh, we we do it not only for our uh, for our pets, but but uh, we we have preventive maintenance for what a, a lot of a lawnmower or or our cars or or your furnace and your air conditioner maybe, and and of course for our physical bodies. Uh, but for some reason, many times. We, we avoid the kind of preventive maintenance when it comes to, to spiritual things. Um, as, as pastor and author Gordon McDonald writes, if people need physicals, don't you think they also need spirituals, he says. And so I guess the, the question is, uh, when is the last time that you had a spiritual checkup? When is the last time that you got quiet before God and evaluated your relationship with him, uh, your, your Christian character and conduct, your, your, your personal spiritual growth? Have you let the great physician examine your heart and speak his truth to your soul lately? I think that kind of thing happens, uh, uh, cons- needs to happen anyway, consistently, uh, even daily when we come to, before God and we read his word and we commit the day to him. And, and, and so we're, in that sense, we're evaluating or reevaluating or having a spiritual, uh, uh, doing some, some, some spiritual work there. Uh, 
It should also be happening when we, we gather for church, either in person or online, and, and, and God speaks to our hearts and he challenges us to take spiritual steps and, and we let him transform us and, and we, we make progress in our relationship with God. But in, in addition to those things, what if, I know this is crazy talk here, I'm just, just, just throwing it out there, but what if it was important enough to us that, that we set aside extended time, maybe, I don't know, once a year maybe, I mean, uh, that's, that's a, maybe for an annual spiritual checkup of sorts in order to make our souls, uh, make sure that our souls are as healthy as possible. So, for the next couple of weeks, we've got a uh, little mini-series here that says it's time for our spiritual checkup. So, our ushers are prepared with, uh, with medical gowns, and they'll be handing those out. I'll leave the room for a minute. If you just slip into those, then we'll... You don't have to do that. Just kidding. We don't have to go to those measures. No gowns are required for a spiritual checkup. But, but I think it is vitally important for us to take inventory on a regular basis of our spiritual well-being. So we can, we can find any hidden disease or things that might be broken, right? Making sure that we're spirit, as spiritually healthy as possible. And there's, there's precedent for this uh, kind of evaluation uh, throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, the, the, the prophets were always coming up alongside the, the, the leaders and people of the day to, uh, to evaluate them, uh, to confront them, to convict them when things weren't right. I, I think about Samuel, who, uh, who was always hounding King Saul uh, to tighten up his relationship with God. Saul resisted that, uh, and, and he disobeyed God, and he alienated himself from God. But Samuel kept, uh, kept uh, trying to bring him to that place of spiritual accountability. The prophet Nathan uh, stepped in and confronted King David uh, after, uh, in the wake of his, uh, his adultery, uh, and David repented because of what Nathan said. Hey, we need to deal with this, and this is wrong, and, and we need to get back on track with God, and, and David uh, uh, confessed and, and repented and, and uh, dealt with the consequences and then, then uh, renewed his relationship with God. The prophet Isaiah spoke God's words to, uh, to King Hezekiah at one point in the, in the Old Testament. And, and because uh, Hezekiah repented, God granted him 15 more years to live because he took the time to, uh, to, to, to check and make sure that things were right with God. And when they weren't, uh, he made things right and, uh, and God blessed him for it. There are also, I mean, all sorts of stories where, where, where prophets and, and other folks were, are, are, are coming to the people and, the, and their leaders and, and confronting them, bringing them to a right relationship with God. Of course, even in the New Testament, Jesus was always making sure that his relationship with God was up to date and taking time alone with God. And, and, and he taught others how they could do the same. And, and every letter in the, in the New Testament, whether it's uh, uh, letters written by, uh, by Paul or Peter or James or John, uh, throughout those letters, they all confront spiritual issues, right? They, they call us to a, a closer walk with God to live spiritually healthy lives. Specifically in, in, uh, in, in Timothy, Paul, is, uh, Paul was writing to Timothy and, and gently pushing him to, uh, to evaluate and, and grow as a follower of God and as a leader of the church. Uh, I think of 1 Timothy 4.12, we could put that up there. Uh, um, he's, he's listing areas here uh, that, 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 pit, that Timothy should be giving his attention to. He, he says, uh, set an example. Uh, well, how do you do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways. Uh, you're, you're living for God and so it sh- should show up in a lot of different ways. He says in your speech. The way you talk, the things you say, uh, the, 
evaluate your speech. Is it showing, is it showing a, a godly uh, life? Uh, he says, in your life, the, the way that you conduct yourself each day, is that, is that a way that honors God? In your love, in other words, in your relationships, are they honoring to God? In your faith, that, that, that uh, developing, growing relationship with God. And, and in your purity, he says, your inner life, your character, are you holy? Are you allowing God to continue to make you holy? Paul knew that if, if Timothy wasn't giving attention to all of those things, then his spiritual influence would falter. A few, a few verses later, Paul underlines a point by, uh, by writing these words. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. In other words, Paul knew that sometimes, sometimes we forget and so if you don't uh, give constant attention to your spiritual life, you'll slowly drift away from God. And so we need to constantly be paying attention to that. I, I guess what I'm getting at is that, that I don't know that we're all that good at taking time to concentrate on our spiritual health and vitality. I mean, sometimes, especially maybe first of the year in January, a lot of us might, might kick in and, and start to watch what we eat, right? Or, or, uh, or we take time to exercise and we set aside that and we, we really uh, drill down to so that we can be healthy that way. Or we might make sure that, that, uh, that, that our, our lives are geared around everything that, uh, that we can make sure that we get in on all the right stuff. Our kids are in the right things. We, we've, uh, uh, we're doing the best at our jobs to maybe get a promotion or find a better one or, or do those kinds of things. We want to live in the right neighborhood with the, all the right toys they're all the right stuff we we want to have a long and fulfilling life we spend all of our time on all of these things and and those things are important but Jesus says in Matthew 16 26 what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul and so over the next couple of weeks, this week and next week, uh, uh, the, these messages are, are meant to be kind of a jumping off point uh, for you to do work on your own with God in the, in the margins, I guess, to hearken back to our series we just wrapped up, to, to evaluate your spiritual life individually, you and God. So I, I guess the challenge is, uh, if we want to call it homework, we could. Hopefully, we're always doing homework. We're always working out our salvation, as Scripture says in, in Philippians. We're, we're, we're always working on that relationship with God. But I, I think uh, the, the challenge is to mark out some time to focus on this. I mean, we, we mark out time for all sorts of things. We, we do that for work projects. We, we carve out time for family events. We rearrange our schedules in, in order to uh, spend time around uh, uh, our hobbies or our uh, uh, our time on, on uh, other entertainments, on our screens, whatever the, the case might be. I've already planned on, I've already marked out the time next Sunday evening to uh, uh, watch the Kansas City Chiefs win Super Bowl number two. Is it too soon? I'm sorry, is it too soon? Chiefs are my number two team, so I wasn't too upset when when they beat the, the Browns. But uh, so uh, it, it, those are great and that's fine. But we, we carve out time for all these things that we, we enjoy or, or the things that we, we like and, and all that's great. But, but our relationship with God is more important than any of those things. And typically we don't give it as much time and attention as it deserves. So a, a spiritual checkup just means spending some extended time alone with God evaluating your spiritual life. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe it's even worth taking a day off uh, uh, to uh, to refresh your soul. I know, wild, wild, crazy thought. I don't know, but but once a year, maybe you could take a a spiritual day off, so to speak. I I, I don't think you'll regret it if you take time for a spiritual checkup. 
So again, these messages will kind of get us, uh, get us started and they will be a sort of spiritual checkup for us, but I hope that it doesn't just stop with the, uh, the half an hour that we spend looking at scripture the next couple of weeks, but that you will take some of these things, the, the scriptures, the questions, the, 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 the thoughts that we have and take those into your personal time with God. So as I'm thinking about it and relating this to, uh, to our, our, uh, physical lives, I, I was thinking about uh, the whole process of going to the doctor and all that. And before we go to the doctor, uh, every day, most of us are, are consciously aware of what's going on in our bodies. And we recognize if things maybe don't feel uh, that right or, or uh, whatever, we pay more attention if things aren't really, you know, if, is it something worth or is it just that I had that burrito last night and I shouldn't have? And, and so, uh, I don't know, we, we, is, it, is it more serious or not? I mean, uh, over the past 10 months, I have taken my temperature more than in the past, the rest of the life leading up to that, right? Uh, because we're, we're self-evaluating. We're trying to figure out, do I, do I have the COVID or not? Some of you have even, have, and, and you've had to deal with that, and you've had to recognize, do I need to go get a test or not? And, and uh, self-evaluations are very important. But, but uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's COVID or not, when, when we're not sure what's going on with our health uh, and we can't figure it out and ibuprofen ain't, ain't cutting it, right, then, th- then we, we seek professional help, right? We go to the doctor. And, and much of what I'm going to lay out here involves self-evaluation, but even more, I think it involves laying everything before God and, and praying the prayer of David in Psalm 139 uh, at the end, verses 23 and 24. He simply prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, when I go to the doctor for a physical, uh, they, they usually follow kind of a predetermined procedure, right? Uh, I've set aside time, made the appointment, uh, carved out my schedule. I know it's going to take uh, however long to, to and so I, so I carve that time out, and then I, I, uh, I, I make sure I, I make it to the point. I mean, it's kind of inconvenient usually, and I'm not exactly looking forward to it, uh, but, uh, but, but I show up. And, and sometimes uh, before that, they want me to do some preparation leading up to it, right? So maybe there are tests that, that they want to have results for when, I, when I'm uh, there in the room or maybe they're getting ready for tests that will happen that day and so maybe there's fasting that involves or those kind of, so anyway, uh, so, so we, preparation, we've got the, the, the schedule, then, uh, then uh, you show up, you get checked in and then they call you back, right? And, and uh, the, the, the nurse gathers information about, about your, heart, your, your, your height and weight and temperature, your blood, your vital signs, right? Are, are you alive or not? Okay, if you are alive, are they, are they in the normal range? Are we, are, are we dealing with anything? The, the nurse might ask questions about, about how you're feeling and is anything wrong or was there anything specific that you wanted us to focus on? And, and then, uh, you, then they hand you the gown and they, they take off and a few minutes later, the doctor does that little soft knock thing that they must teach in, in doctor school, Right? And then, and then he just walks right in. Doesn't wait for me to tell him to come on in. They just come right in. That's just how they teach him, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, not that that's a problem. I, but uh, he comes in and, uh, and, and he's got all the information from the nurse, right? And he's got the, if there were tests beforehand, he's got all the results of all those tests. He's got my full chart at his disposal. 
He can see my medical history. He can see what I'm susceptible to and, and uh, what, I've, what, I've, uh, what I've struggled with in the past. He can see uh, uh, what he's asked me to do about that in the past and, and uh, might follow up on whether I've been faithful to do that. To, to an extent, the doctor at that point, to an extent, knows me inside and out, right? And then the exam starts and the looking and the thumping and the probing and the listening and all the stuff, right? And, and, and he asks questions in order to get a, a well-rounded picture of my health and he, he lets me know what the, what the test results have indicated and usually at the close of the appointment, he lays out some solutions for some things that he might have found. Maybe there's a prescription or, or there's exercises that, that need to be done or, or, or new uh, different ways of eating, a new diet or a new habits to form and uh, maybe there are more tests to get done. And, and so, so the doctor gives practical professional advice on what would be helpful to do from here on out so that I'll be as physically healthy as I can be. So as I think through that process, I, uh, then I, I, I think maybe that gives us a bit of a picture of what a spiritual checkup could look like. We put our souls in the hands of the great physician who knows our past. He knows what we're susceptible to and what we've struggled with. He knows what he's asked us to do and whether we've been faithful to that or not, or whether we need to revisit some of those things. And with our best interest as his number one goal, We allow him to poke and prod and find what might be ailing us spiritually so that we can be as healthy as possible in our spiritual lives. A lot of people put off going to the, uh, uh, going to the doctor because they're afraid of what, uh, what, what they're going to find, right? I think we do that spiritually too. I just don't want to have to deal with that. I'm, I'm in a good routine right now. I don't want to hear God tell me, uh, and, I think we need to face the facts and get into the routine of constantly revisiting and reevaluating as we get a spiritual checkup. So, so the challenge, again, make an appointment with God. Get rid of anything that might distract you. Uh, you know, go into a room and, and shut the door. Uh, scripture says to go into your prayer closet. Uh, spend some time alone with, and that might take a lot of planning. You might have to plan weeks in advance and make sure there's childcare and, and uh, don't take the dog in there with you and, and turn off your phone and, and get rid of all the distractions. Grab your Bible, maybe a journal, maybe some worship music. Get alone and get quiet and let the great physician uh, speak to your soul so once that environment is established if I were your spiritual director and I guess in a sense I am uh, then uh, then then I would I would uh, maybe direct your thoughts by asking some questions and so today I want to ask just a couple of questions or uh, uh, raise a couple of issues and then next week we'll look at even more but first off I think I would ask you to revisit your conversion revisit your conversion so has there been the first question is uh, has there been a time in your life when you have confessed your sin and committed your life to follow Jesus it's it's what people in the past or or maybe in uh, uh, in in uh, kids Sunday school classes it might you might have heard the term inviting Jesus into your heart has there been a time that you've done that. Uh, maybe you've heard the story of the, the little girl who came up to her pastor after church and, and, and said, Pastor, how big is Jesus? 
And the, the, the pastor kind of squatted down and talked with her and didn't quite know how to answer her, but uh, uh, he said, well, well, I don't know, sweetheart. I mean, the Bible doesn't really say, uh, he doesn't give us uh, height and weight or anything like that. He was a carpenter, so we think he's probably pretty strong and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe kind of like your daddy, he said, pretty, pretty big. Why do, you, why do you ask, he said. And, and the little girl said, well, pastor, you said uh, that, that, that I needed to invite Jesus to live in my heart and, and I'm just a little girl, and if he's a big savior and he comes into my heart, won't he stick out, she said? Won't he stick out? Well, the answer to that question is more than you know. If you have really invited Jesus into your heart, if you're following him, if his spirit is living within you, he will stick out. It will be evident in so many ways. He will change every aspect of your life. So in, in, asking, the que- in asking you to revisit your conversion, the, the question is, is he sticking out, right? If he's not, maybe you need to re-up your commitment or make that commitment for the first time. Visit, revisit your conversion. If you've truly been converted, it will affect every decision that you make. You might think, well, I don't have this whole big dramatic thing, this dramatic testimony, this, this big old conversion story. And if, if we don't have that, then, ah, you know, is it really? There's nothing more dramatic than letting God get a hold of your life. Where, wherever you were in, in, when you're not following him, God gets a hold of us and changes us completely. And instead of following our own selfish desires and, and, and living uh, in sin, he now calls us to live in the light of his love and grace. There's nothing more dramatic than that. I, I think of the Apostle Paul in the, in the New Testament. Maybe you know his story, maybe you don't, but, but, but he seems to be driven by his conversion experience. Of course, it was a pretty dramatic event. He was walking down the road. He's actually heading uh, to, uh, to uh, um, he was working, he thought he was doing God's work when really he was, uh, he was uh, going against Jesus and, and he was actually going to arrest some people that were some Christians. And uh, as he's walking down the road, uh, uh, Jesus literally blinds him, right? And uh, we see it in Acts chapter nine, beginning in verse one. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still uh, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so he could, so if he found any there who belonged to the way, that means Christians, uh, uh, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on that journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And, and it was Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Well, the story goes on the rest of the chapter there, but as he recuperated, uh, God sent a, uh, uh, an upstanding Christian from the church there in Damascus, Ananias, to come and talk to Paul. And so with fear and trembling, Ananias came and, and spoke to Paul and, and uh, Paul was uh, committed his, himself to, to Christ. He was changed forever. Uh, the, uh, it says the scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. Uh, he was converted. He committed his life to, to, to God. He was baptized and then he started studying and learning and growing. And, and, and now uh, the, the New Testament that we have, um, a, a huge bulk of it is made up of letters that Paul wrote to the churches where he, where he traveled as a missionary throughout the rest of his life. A, a very dramatic experience. 
Two other times in Acts, so we read that, that's where it happened in Acts chapter 9, but two other times in Acts, Paul tells that full story again as he's in prison and they're asking him, well, what's the deal, Paul? Why are you doing what you're doing? He told that story again, and then they asked him again a, a little while, and he told that story again, and, and, and then he, even in 1 Corinthians, a couple different times, he, he refers to it. Um, one of those times in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, he says, then Jesus appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, he said as one abnormally born, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. He's referring to that time when Jesus appeared to him on the road and it was a a huge turning point in his life. Here's the thing, Paul never quite got over what Jesus had done for him. He lived with his conversion always in mind. He knew where he'd come from. He knew the sin that he was capable of. And and he was daily, maybe moment by moment, aware of the depths from which Jesus had saved him. I guess what I'm saying is, periodically, maybe moment to moment, we need to be living with our conversion in mind. Does it drive your life to know that you once were blind, but now by the grace of God you can see? Changes everything and if it hasn't changed everything we need to revisit that right uh, maybe you maybe you haven't ever come to that point or maybe you think you have but it hasn't really changed much I mean, I mean are you truly following Jesus one one question uh, that that I usually ask as part of a uh, part of a baptism uh, uh, ceremony I usually ask something along the lines of do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and and do you know that he saves you now so it's not just uh, at some point I've committed myself to God back there somewhere but do you know that he saves you now you answer yes, you get dunked. I mean, that's, that's how baptism works, right? But uh, the, the, the question is, maybe we need to be uh, asking that question all the time. As the great physician begins his work on your spiritual life, it might be a good question to contemplate, a great place to start. Uh, is your commitment still current? Are you living out of the grace of God in your life? So as your spiritual director, as you step into a time of, uh, of, of reevaluating your spiritual life, into this spiritual checkup, revisit your conversion. As I, as I continue to, to, to guide this spiritual checkup this morning, the, the next part might get a little uncomfortable. I mean, that happens at the doctor, right? It's not always just exciting. We don't exactly look forward to it. In order to check out everything, there's usually some uncomfortable or even painful moments in a, in a, in a physical checkup. And an important part of your spiritual value evaluation might be uncomfortable as you take time for confession. The S word, Sin. I can still hear my dad's voice. My dad's been gone for years now, but I can still hear him in my mind's eye, I wish you could too, telling the story of President Calvin Coolidge, who went to church one Sunday without his wife. She said she was ill and, and she wasn't going to go. He seemed to be, uh, as the story goes, Coolidge seems to have been a little put out by that. And he, well, I'm going anyway. And he, he went to church. And... Um, when the, so when the commander-in-chief 
uh, comes home after church, Mrs. Coolidge, I guess the, the gist is she's trying to, to, you know, smooth over the relationship. She knew he was a little bit, maybe didn't believe she was as sick as she was. And, and so she's trying to uh, smooth the relationship. So she asks a question. She says, uh, uh, she, she says well, what, did the, uh, what, the, what was the pastor's sermon about? And Coolidge, still seeming to be pretty cool in his uh, relationship with his wife, he, he just responded uh, real quick. So what was the pastor's sermon about? Sin, he said, just one word, the story goes. So she presses him and she says, well, well, what did the pastor say about it? And Coolidge is said to have replied, he was against it. As my dad would say, he was against it, against it. Calvin Coolidge's pastor was against sin. I think, if I read my Bible right, uh, God agrees with Calvin Coolidge's pastor. <laughs> He's against sin too. In fact, he can't tolerate it. If there's sin in your life, there will always be a barrier in your relationship with God. So as you evaluate your spiritual life, if you're feeling distant from God, then, then a primary place where you need to, 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 to go to spend time, uh, a question you need to ask is, is there unconfessed sin in my life? King David knew all about this. Psalm 32, he described what it's like to live with the guilt of sin. He put it off for a long time. Uh, Psalm 32, beginning in verse three, he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Why do we do that? We always hang on to it. We try to hide it. We think we can live with it. And, and, and yet it, the, the consequences, the weight of sin is heavy. I, I don't know if you've experienced it like I have, but, but I try to hang on to that. And yet when, when I finally come to the place of letting go and, and confessing and, and getting it all out in the open and, and, and uh, repenting of my sin, it's like it's freeing. And all of a sudden it's, it's not heavy anymore. And that's what David is talking about here. We, we, we try to ignore it. Romans 3.23 says that, that the wages or the consequences of sin will always be death, separation from God. But if we humble ourselves and if we acknowledge our sin to God, he will forgive us. There may be some things that we've been doing for so long. Maybe it's grudges that we've held or attitudes that we've just gotten used to and it's just kind of how we live and maybe it's reactions that shouldn't have gone the way they did or maybe it's just thoughts in our head and maybe we haven't said anything to, to these people or that situation but boy, we've had a lot of conversations here. Maybe it's just, I don't know, bad habits that we've gotten into. We don't deal with, uh, with, with certain sin because I think we get too used to it and we don't see it. And that's one reason why uh, something like a spiritual checkup uh, can be so, uh, so impactful. Uh, God, uh, as we get alone with him, he will point out things in our lives that need to change. And it can get uncomfortable and even painful and maybe a little embarrassing. And, and yet, uh, as, we, uh, as we allow him to point those things out, we begin to look more like him. Basically, we're saying... Uh, we're. As, as we pray that prayer from Psalm 139, uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any uh, wicked way in me. That's, that's the way I learned it. Uh, the, if there's any wicked way, if there is anything, then, then point it out, God. I don't want that anymore. 
Get rid of anything that doesn't look like you. It's kind of like uh, they, they say that Michelangelo, when, when he was asked to create his sculpture, uh, Angel Holding a Candelabra, there's a picture. Um, it says that, that, that he simply uh, said that he saw that slab of marble that that's made out of, and, and as he looked at it, he could see uh, the angel within it. And so then the process for him was just chiseling away and carving away everything that didn't look like the image that he wanted to uh, portray, the, the image of that angel. He got rid of everything that didn't look like the image he was creating. God wants his image to show up in us. And so he needs to keep chiseling away whatever doesn't look like him. Father God, we thank you that you love us enough to continue to do your work in our lives. That you want us to look more and more like you. We thank you that you are not only the great physician, but you are a healer, you are a comfort, you are most of all love. You have our best interest at heart and you desire to, to have a, a, a close, intimate relationship with us. And so, Lord, I pray that, that we can constantly be seeking how to grow closer and closer to you. That as you point out uh, things in our lives that we would not uh, shy away from dealing with those things. But that we'll continue to grow uh, and continue to seek you with all of our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, we can go knowing that you go with us, that you fill us, that you are at our right hand, that you are leading the way, that you are protecting us all around, that your spirit is leading us. And as we go from here, we are excited about where you're going to take us this week, the opportunities that you will bring, not only for us to grow, but also for us to be your servants, to bring your light and your life and your love to the people in our lives. We thank you for the ways that you are leading the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.